Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It's packed with benefits to help unlock more value from your business purchases. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. Other people want to make friends, I'm just trying to make you money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate, teach, put it in context. Call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Remember those five stages of grief I talked about when things were just beginning to get bad? Every time the market rolls over, we go through denial, anger, bargaining, depression, before we finally reach acceptance. When I first started talking about it, we were all the way up here. Well, well, you know what? We've now made it through, maybe even to depression. Even as the averages rebounded nicely this afternoon, the Dow gaining 199 points, S&P climbing 0.52%, NASDAQ advancing 0.12% after a really nasty opening. So I don't think we've actually reached this point, but we got to start planning. we got to start planning. And the people who are doing this, of course, are obviously mostly the newbies, the newer investors. It, it can be a depressing moment. This is when lots of investors typically tend to throw up their hands and give up on the entire asset class because many of their stocks aren't participating in the big moves in the indices. And that happened again today. Now, I don't want that to be you. So on an up day where the dark clouds lifted, they parted. Let me explain how we got here, and then I'll go through the do's and don'ts to keep you in this stock market, to not be driven out. First, when the extremely high-flying speculative stocks started getting hit, there was denial all over the place. Most of the newer investors who gotten in the market in the past year simply didn't want to believe the party in their kinds of stocks could ever end, and they didn't want to go into the boring farm equipment, chemical steel companies, rocks! (laughs) Please, no! Then people got angry when I suggested it was time to move on from those risky stocks, the ones that were totally untethered from the fundamentals with little in the way of earnings or even sales in some cases and start getting into these cheaper industrials. I warned you the shakeout was coming and recommended taking some profits. I'm used to getting a lot of hate, part of the job, but the vitriol I got in response was off the charts. Nobody wanted to hear that you had to sell GameStop in the 300s. Hey, by the way, still a great price, even with the king of memes up 63 points or 52% today. They didn't want to be told it was time to ring the register on some of those really exciting ones, the Zooms, the DocuSigns, the Teladocs. Every one of those companies is fabulous. But the stocks, they got too high. Icarus. Yes, these people wanted to go, go. They were getting stop, stop. Now, the anger still exists, but at this point, it's pretty much subsided because we keep going down through that list. And that's the uh, we're on to the bargaining phase for some people. That's where the people who didn't really know what they own start saying that, that, wow, if these stocks rebound, I'll be able to sell. Lord, help me. I'll get back to even. They don't want to take a loss. But then finally this week, we hit depression. People have started realizing that the wild Nasdaq names that did so well last year, they may not be coming back soon. And the more speculative stocks, like the ones that Kathy Wood can't get enough of at ARK Invest, may be truly riskier. Maybe they're longer-term investments than these new kinds of investors really want. 
I know when the soft reaches the depression phase because I get a lot, lot less hate mail and I sense that we're almost there. I am hearing more about NFT trading than about stock trading from the younger crowd. What does that tell you? That tells you acceptance. Of course, we can't escape from this house of pain until we leave the depression phase behind us and we reach the point of acceptance. So how do you accept that things went awry and then adjust to the new reality? Well, let me give you the do's and don'ts of sticking with the stock market after you get through the meat grinder as we are going right now. Because, again, my point, my goal, what I care about is keeping you in. I know some people question my agenda. I don't. I want you to stay in stocks. First, do clear your head. If you read Confessions of a Street Addict, my autobiography, there's a moment where I was so deeply depressed because I bought the wrong kind of stocks for the market and my fund was about to be down double digits. What did I do? I stopped waiting for my stocks to rebound. I literally just sold everything. If I really liked those stocks, I could just go buy them back. Of course, I didn't because I knew they were the wrong names for the moment once I was freed from them. Right now, you know what's wrong, too. You need to accept it. Don't try to fight the tape. Clear your head. And it's good to an uptake. This is good. You got an up moment here. Second, do keep some cash on the sidelines. Do stop buying stocks on margin. And please, please, please stop betting exclusively on options. That game is now over. You need to accept that risky stocks do indeed go down, something that only started happening a month or two ago. If you keep trying to invest like it's 2020, you're not going to like how things play out. Third, do some homework. When you buy a stock, can you explain exactly what the underlying company does to me if you see me on the street? Do you know if all of your stocks trade together? Do you know their valuations? I bring this up because if you own more than a couple of stocks that trade at more than eight times sales, you're likely to lose money in this particular tape. Does the company have enough cash? Does it need to raise money, sell equity? This market's now hostile to companies that have to do equity offerings. Unlike last year, Wall Street now values profitability. Forget tech startups. What's working now are the great reopening plays, including stocks like the banks, which we just learned will be allowed in some cases to return more capital in the form of dividends than we expected. It's about the end of the pandemic, people, which is why you need to cut back on speculative stocks that have nothing to do with the reopening theme. If you own something and you don't know what that company actually does, I would trim it back if not sell it. You can always buy it back later, assuming you still like it after you've done the homework. Fourth, do recognize that we're now in a sell the news mode. For almost a full year, you could buy the stocks that might have good news coming. And when we got that good news, the stocks rallied again. But that's no longer the case. If you're trading and you get the good news you're looking for, you got to sell the pot. Finally, five, do wait for weakness before you pull the trigger. This is no longer one of those markets where you want to buy it when it's flying higher. Don't chase strength. When you get spikes like we saw today in the meme stocks, that's not an opportunity necessarily to buy. Maybe it's the other side. Okay, how about some don'ts? First, stop following those who have hot hands or wants hot hands. Do your own work, for heaven's sake. There are a bunch of money managers who did great last year, but unless they've changed their strategy, they're not going to do well this year. You, you don't know when they're, they're going to sell. You don't know if they're right. They don't tell you why they're buying. Stop being a lemming. Second, don't ignore your surroundings. Stocks don't exist in a vacuum anymore. If the economy is expanding rapidly, you need to lighten up on these secular growth stocks that do just fine even when business is stagnant. In an expansion, the market wants boom and bust stocks that can show fabulous year-over-year earnings growth. In Confessions of a Street Addict, I explain how I didn't see that happen in 1987. Third, if you don't know what an earnings comparison is or if you're mystified by why that even matters, well, you got to learn the way traditional money managers think, even if you despise them. Listen, you may think these people, these suits are the worst people in the world, but with the exception of GameStop, AMC, and Koss, 
Well, these people are now back in control of the market. And that means you need to know how they think, how they operate. This is something I try to teach you here every night. But if you don't want to get your head around the way Wall Street works, put your money in an index fund so you don't have to worry about it. Fourth, don't underestimate the difficulty anymore of making money. We just came through a period where picking stocks was easy. That was a highly unusual, placid, halcyon moment for stocks that we just finished. Now we're back to normal. You need to respect that the market can be as vicious and nasty as it was joyous last year. Finally, fifth, don't trust Wall Street to be your friend. Right now, Wall Street's willing to mint anything. Try to get you to buy anything, any SPAC, any underrated, no discipline whatsoever. You have to be on your guard, recognizing that lots of these companies shouldn't even be public. Many of them have no earnings, no hope of ever even having them. SPACs that trade well north of $20, let's be careful. They could be busts. There simply aren't enough quality targets right now for them to buy. Going forward, there will always be good SPACs. I will flag them for you. But many will be marginal, and some will be just plain bad. Here's the bottom line. If you accept your predicament and you follow these rules, you'll have a chance to prosper in this brand new market. But if you try to cling to what worked last year, I got to tell you, I think you get blown out, just like the people who tried to stick with Dreamer Internet stocks during the dot-com collapse. Let's go to Nick in California. Nick! Hiya, Jim. I'm a big fan of yours. Oh, terrific. Thank you. I invested in Fisker, the electric car maker. Adam Jonas from J.P. Morgan, really well-respected analyst, has a $90 bull case price target on the stock. And then two weeks ago, Fisker was trading above 30 a share. Now it's in the $17 range, and it's trading five to six times cheaper on a forward price-to-sales ratio when you compared to Neo and Tesla. My neighbor, she's a college student, actually, at San Diego State University. Mm-hmm. She did a survey on, on electric uh, car makers, 14 of them. Fisker came up at number one pick on design and appearance and number one on the price point. And okay. th- th- I was just blown away. So I ordered a Fisker vehicle. What do you think? Should no, I, be I, buying I like more? Fisker. I mean, this is one. Everyone's allowed to have a couple speculative stocks. I think Fisker's very good. We've had Henrik on. I think it's a great. You know, we also have Magno in that makes them. I think it's a good situation. It's, you know, look, it's speculative, but it's good. Tim in Maine, Tim. Hey, Jim. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I've been a follower since 2007. I appreciate Ooh. every uh, uh, thing you do for us. Thank you. Uh, my thing is with uh, with G's recent selling off of their uh, jet leasing business for $30 billion and now talking about doing a reverse split and everything I read says it's a bad sign for a company. What should I do with my stock? No, no. G is just trying to get to the same float that the others in its cohort have. That's the only reason why they're doing that. I am looking at GE. I think that, uh, look, the power business is very good now, especially if we get a much more green energy. Aerospace about to come back. Healthcare traditional. GE's fine. Don't worry about that reverse split. They're just trying to rationalize the stock size and the number of shares. It's a brand new market. If you follow these rules, I think you can prosper even if you're just in nothing but meme stocks. Cut back. Rethink. Use this strength. Follow the rules. Man, tonight, COVID nesting helped drive a 500% rally in RH over the past year. Hey, there's a stock for you. As economies begin to reopen, can the company continue to head higher? I'm going to talk with Gary Friedman after earnings. Then what's the best way to play a potential infrastructure bill? I've got an idea. I'll reveal it just ahead. It involves rocks and steel. And I'm sitting down with the Home Depot of Weed, Grow Generation, to find out how the company's positioning itself as more states legalize marijuana, including perhaps New York. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. 
follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1 800 743 CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. At a time when most of last year's winners have stalled out, the high-end home goods retailers do keep roaring. Just look at RHS, the artist formerly known as Restoration Harbor. Last night, they reported a spectacular quarter. Terrific top and bottom line beat with 22% revenue growth thanks to surging demand. Even better, management gave you an incredible forecast. They're guiding for 15 to 20% growth for the full year. 50% growth in the current quarter. I mean, these are breathtaking numbers. I, I haven't seen like any of these from a large company like this. Plus, RH has all sorts of new initiatives, including hotels, whole new ecosystem in Aspen that could ultimately drive the numbers much, much higher. No wonder the stock surged another 9% today. I actually thought it should have been even up more. Let's check in with Gary Friedman. He's the bankable chairman and CEO of RH. Get a better read on the quarter and its company's prospects. Mr. Friedman, welcome back to Mad Money. Great. Thank you, Jim. Thanks for having me. All right, Gary, first, I hope you got some sleep last night. We were going back and forth in email, and I want people <laughs> to know this because it's in the conference call. And I, I'm going to ask you a question. People, do you know this? I'm asking the audience. Since RH's IPO on November 2nd, 20, 2012, at $24 per share, this stock has outperformed Apple, Amazon, Google, Facebook, Nike, Starbucks, LVMH, Home Depot, Hermes. Okay, so I ask you, Gary, how do people not know this? This is the best other than Tesla. Uh, you know, I think it's, uh, uh, look, it's when, when you've taken a brand like we have from kind of, uh, you know, f- from the grave and rebuilt it over the last uh, 20 years, uh, um, you know, it's, it's just, you know, it becomes, it's, it's, it's an evolving story and you have to really pay attention to it. And uh, it, you, you, you wind up uh, kind of be, being haunted by your past you know, your past self. So people remember the old restoration hardware. Uh, they hang on to old memories and it's hard for them to kind of see you differently. That's why we say we have to create a forced reconsideration of our brand and who we are in all levels to the consumers from a product point of view, from, uh, you know, from a street point of view, from an investor point of view. But, you know, over time, uh, you know, people will get it. You know, if you, if you just keep telling the truth, if you keep doing extraordinary work, uh, you you force people to kind of see who you are. So um, we're fine. We're fine with that. Everybody will catch up to it. 
Well, I'll tell you, this is how I think people think. And I'm, I'm fortunate enough and lucky enough to have some money. But my, we, we bought a house, Gary. And my wife said, they are doing houses in Aspen. So I'm buying all our front porch furniture from RH. Now, she's never seen the houses. I hear from your conference school, people are buying that want to buy the houses and they haven't seen the houses. Now, that is a brand. That is the brand I'm looking for. Yeah, the, the funny thing is we haven't even designed the houses and we've had multiple inquiries and we've had people actually make real offers sight unseen. So um, uh, that that surprised us. But but I think, you know, look, over time, uh, you know, I, we, we like to say inside our company, it's, it's not what we say, it's what we do that defines us. Right. And our work will define us. Our truth will define us. We, we don't have a com- we don't have a marketing department. We have a truth group. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we say just focus on the work, do great work. And over time, people w- will, will recognize that and respect that. And and it takes a long time to build a great brand. So, you know, this is this, this week was my 20th year anniversary. I didn't even know that our CFO, Jack Preston, sent me a text early in the week, said, gee, you know, happy anniversary. And I, I thought, gosh, has it really been 20 years? Uh, but it, it takes a long time to build something extraordinary in this world. And and we, we still feel like we're just warming up. Honestly, we're more excited than we've ever been. Uh, we see more opportunity than we've, we've ever seen. Uh, and uh, it's funny, someone was saying, oh, well, Europe, it seems, that seems like it's gonna be really hard. You know, not, uh, not a lot of people are successful going to Europe. And I said like, well, one, we're not afraid of hard. Uh, two, we know Europe really well. We've, we, we have sourced product in Europe. We, Byproduct from Europe, they're the biggest, uh, you know, biggest seller of Italian bedding in the world, biggest seller of Belgian linen in the world. Uh, you know, we know it. What, what's hard is taking a, a brand and business from where we were to where we are today. That's what's hard. Well, but Gary, also, I find for people on Wall Street, there was one person you actually, you're always nice to the analysts, but there was one person you went on and really gave a very long answer, which was basically that it's very hard. The margins are inexplicable here. It's inexplicable because people aren't used to seeing that from retail. You also talked about we're not a sofa company, for heaven's sake. But the main thing that you make the point of is there is no comparison, meaning not just there's no comparison, meaning how great you are, but there's no other company doing what you're doing. I mean, why are you building restaurants? Well, because they inspire. Why are you building guest houses? Because they change your view. These are not things that we think of. They're not retail, Gary. That's why they're not retail. Yeah, it, it's, again, if, you, if you're just thinking about a retailer in a, in a basic sense, uh, no, they're not at all. But if you're trying to build one of the most admired brands in the world, it's, you, if you want to do something extraordinary, you can't take an ordinary path. Right. You know, that, that you'll never be extraordinary if you take an ordinary path. So the things we're doing that, that you know, you said, you said, oh, you're, you're, early when you introduced me, you said, we're building hotels. And I, I say, no, we're not building a hotel. Right. It's, it's the guest house, something very different. We, you know, for, for example, people ask me who've heard, you know, through the real estate press that, that we're building a hotel because that's how it came out. People say, I hear you're building a hotel in New York. I say, no. And they say, what are you, what are you, what are you doing? I say, we're, we're building a guest house. And they say, what's that? And I say, we're going to try to create a new market for privacy and luxury. Why, why privacy? Because privacy is the one thing that everybody's given away with social media. And it's the one thing that 
the internet is taken away because you can find out about anybody online. And we think privacy is gonna be a, a big market. And then, they, and then they say, oh, I get it. It's gonna be a showroom for your product. And I say, no, why would we do that? We just built a 90,000 square foot showroom 20 steps away. And then I say the one thing that, that kind of twists their head around. I say, in fact, it's not, it's not gonna have any of our furniture. And then they look at me and they say, well, whose furniture is it gonna have? And I say, well, it's not about the furniture. It's about, it's about creating a, a design statement and, and uh, an experience that the world has never seen before. And if we do that well, trust me, it will break through. It will break through the clutter and it will force people at the highest levels of taste and style and luxury in the world, it'll force them to tip their hat in respect. And so you, you, if you want to be the most admired, you have to do things that, that will be admired. Uh, and so, uh, you know, so a lot of things that we're going to do are just going to initially be misunderstood until they're seen uh, and yeah. respected, and then you can't ignore us. Well, Gary, I got to tell you, it is... I mean, I was, I, I'm just struck by the fact that, and I said to my email to you, that it's more the evolution of art. The other guys are realists. You're expressionists. The other guys' realist paintings aren't worth as much as we thought. You're postmodern, but you're also, in many ways, just at that impressionist moment where we're starting to realize you're like an architectonic shift over what the other guys are doing, which is why I think you are going to get to $25 billion in sales internationally quicker than people realize. Gary Friedman, Chairman CEO of RH. This is not a hotelier. It is not a home builder. It is an inspiration. Mad Money's back after the break. Coming up, is America ready to lay down the cornerstone of a strong future? Kramer breaks down the best bets to build big. And why one stock in particular simply rocks. Next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts. Ever since November, this market's been led by two distinct groups. You've got the great reopening plays that should benefit enormously from a booming economy. And you've got the Joe Biden plays, which are companies that could get a major boost from one party rule by the Democrats. While the reopening names keep roaring, we've reached the point where most of the Biden stocks are stalling out. From solar power to electric vehicles to cannabis, this cohort has lost its momentum, in part because these are all secular growth stocks in a market that only has eyes for this boom and bust cyclical market that I keep talking about. 
But what if there's a way to play both of these themes at once? Now that the $1.9 trillion stimulus package is going into effect, the White House has moved on. It's, it, it's going to do this. It's going to move on its next major policy priority. And everyone says it's going to be infrastructure. We're hearing chatter about a massive $3 trillion infrastructure package that could include everything from roads and bridges to alternate energy, rural broadband, uh, possibly some tax reform thrown in to offset some of the costs. That might be difficult to pass, but even a smaller infrastructure bill could make a big difference for some companies. What matters, though, is that the infrastructure names are also exactly the kind of cyclical stocks that work when the economy is accelerating. They're reopening place and Biden place at the exact same time. And this is the kind of stock I'm talking about. My favorites, Martin Marietta Materials, the huge supplier of building materials like aggregates, cement and asphalt, everything you need for new roads and Nucor, America's number one steelmaker. Why these two? Because they're both best of breed companies that are worth owning, even if Biden's infrastructure package is a bust. Now, before I get into specifics, you have to go into this trade, assuming that the bill won't pass. Democrats only have 50 votes in the Senate. So even if they try to pass it on a party line, vote like they did with the stimulus, they need to get every single Democratic senator on board. And I wouldn't be surprised if one or two of them balk at a $3 trillion of additional deficit spending if the economy's really coming back because it's opening. Personally, I don't like playing legislation roulette. With Martin Marietta and Nucor, I think both companies are winners no matter what, because they both benefit from a rapidly expanding economy, which we now have, where the Federal Reserve refuses to slam the brakes. If Congress can pass a big infrastructure bill or even a smaller one, I'm saying this is just icing on the cake for these two. Why do I like them both so much? Let's start with MLM, the symbol for Martin Marietta, not to be confused with Marxism, Leninism, Maoism or multi-level marketing. Don't really care for either. We spoke to the company's bankable CEO, Ward Nye, earlier this month. He told a terrific story. But since then, the stock's actually pulled back about 6%. So I'm telling you, this is the kind of thing I'm trying to describe in this piece what I want a lot of the younger investors to be looking at. I know I picked this because there's nothing more boring than rocks. And that's what I like. Boring. Even without an infrastructure bill, Martin Marietta's got three huge things going for it. First, uh, the past decade, uh, the company has increasingly focused on 11 so-called mega regions where all the real fast growth, growth is done in this country. Whatever happens in Washington, these areas will see plenty of state and local infrastructure spending, particularly right here and right here. These are the great growth areas of our country. Martin Marietta is now the number one or two number, uh, player in 90% of these markets. And Nye told us that they still have a lot of room to grow in many of these areas. Second, forget the government. Martin Marietta is doing a ton of business building massive projects for private companies with deep pockets like Amazon, like Facebook, like Walmart. Every new data center or warehouse requires a lot more aggregates than similarly sized commercial construction projects. You know what? I, I didn't really understand this until Nye explained it on the show. Listen to this. The other thing that's notable is they are incredibly aggregates intensive projects as well. Number one, they're just big. And and number two, they tend to be in many respects, almost a concrete envelope. So big trucks are coming in and, and they're setting these buildings up for a very durable run over a long period of time. On top of that, it doesn't hurt that we are in the middle of a single-family housing boom. I, look, the KB Homes was fine. Lenar was really terrific today, if you want to know. Uh, you get a new housing developed. What happens? That means new roads, new driveways, new sidewalks. And that is Martin Marietta. 
Third, when you hear people worrying about inflation, remember that just that just means companies like Martin Marietta can raise prices. Every time the economy is roaring, the price of aggregates tends to roar too. The company thinks we could be headed for a period where private construction and public construction will both be picking up. And that is something we haven't seen in ages. Of course, if we also get a big infrastructure package, this stock becomes unstoppable. Even without that, though, Martin Marietta is exactly the kind of name that works at this point in the business cycle, like I explained at the top of the show. Sure, it is already up 17% year-to-date, but it's only selling for 26 times next year's earnings estimates, not sales, which I think will prove to be way too low. Here's why. Uh, Over the past three quarters, Martin Marietta has beaten Wall Street's bottom line forecast by an average of 22%. So it's really not selling at that high a multiple. Uh, and the volumes take off, the pricing picks up. You got to expect some tremendous earnings power. So it will turn out to be that the multiple is much lower. Next up, we can't, and I'm keeping this name in front of you, Nucor, America's biggest and best steel maker. We spoke to CEO Leon Topalian last night. Now, I don't know if you heard him. But he made a very compelling case. By the way, one that helped move the stock up almost 5% today. Story is very similar to Martin Marietta. If Congress passes an infrastructure package, then the feds will be buying endless amounts of steel for bridges, for tunnels, and maybe even some green energy projects like wind farms. But that's just gravy because Nucor doesn't need any federal largesse right now. As we heard last night, these guys expect to report the best quarter ever, ever. And they've been in business for a long time. Uh, it, and by the way, uh, that's all because of surging demand and rapidly rising steel prices. Oh, and Leon also told us last night that the next quarter should be even better. Non-residential construction, autos, renewable energy, heavy equipment, agriculture, all of their end markets are coming together right now at once. Again, I know steel's much, much more boring than, I don't know, spy software, but I don't care about boring. Nucor's making a fortune right now. If Congress can actually pass an infrastructure package, they will be in smokestack heaven. Okay, I'm excited. Best of all, even after today's move, Nucor stock is ridiculously cheap. Do you know this thing sells for just eight times earnings? I mean, a lot of your stocks that I know that the... the the younger cohorts buy, selling at 80 times sales. Buy, 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 this buy. has got a 2.2% yield. That said, the analysts are projecting that the earnings will take a big hit next year, but I think they'll be forced to raise those estimates. I think they're wrong. And the number one determinant of higher stock prices, well, are the beating the estimates. And the analysts just don't give this the credit it's due. Here's the bottom line. As much as I'd love to see a major infrastructure package, you need to be careful when you're playing this theme. There's a chance the bill will stall in the Senate, and even if it passes, our government has forgotten how to build things, so it takes forever to get these projects off the ground. That's why you want infrastructure stocks like Martin Marietta and Nucor that work regardless of what happens in Washington, which we know can never be counted on. Much more Mad Bunny ahead, including my exclusive with the CEO of one red-hot company that's much better than the actual cannabis plays. It's called Grow Generation. Why the picks and shovels play may be the best way to play the pot stocks and the most boring. And is the retail trading army signaling a retreat? I'm eyeing the recent declines in Reddit favorites. Today took a break from that and the meme stocks went up. Maybe that's a chance to lighten up. And all your calls rapid fire tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Today, we got yet another example of this market's kind of newfound uh, 
cooling for super growth stocks. I'm talking about Grow Generation, a roll-up of gardening stores that specializes in hydroponic equipment. Man, it's a picks and shovels play for the cannabis industry. We first came across this one in August. It was trading at 16. Since then, it roared to 45, and that's after pulling back more than 20 bucks from its February highs. Grow Generation didn't do anything wrong, just kind of went out of style momentarily. Witness what happened last night. The company reported a fantastic quarter. Management raised their full year forecast substantially. They had already pre-announced excellent numbers. Uh, guidance new. Grow Generation got, uh, well, I'd say zero credit for it. In fact, stock needed a furious late-day rally to finish basically flat. Now, look, I think this one's getting cheaper as it goes down, and there's some news we got to talk about. Don't take it from me, though. Let's dig deep with Darren Lampert. He's the co-founder and CEO of Grow Generation. To learn more about the quarter and what's next, Mr. Lampert, welcome back to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim, for having me today. Okay, so Darren, you are doing comp store sales. I, I don't. Sometimes I think it's a, a, a typo. Fifty-eight percent. Fifty-eight percent for the quarter, Jim. Sixty-three percent for the year, coming off a thirty-seven percent last year. Well, I mean, what are you selling that can possibly do that much more business year over year? Jim, we're selling the picks and the shovels, the technology and solutions for the cannabis growers. What you're seeing right now, Jim, is a sea change, controlled environmental ag. We sell the inputs. We sell the technologies, the solutions that control the environment the plants live in. Well, Energy efficiencies, well, okay, sustainability. Well, what are we going to do in New York? I mean, you know, we're, we're about to get passage. But you don't have any stores in New York that can be bought by you. So are we going to see your first Greenfield stores? Because I got a feeling people are going to be lined up wherever you have it. They will just be jammed. I mean, you have to have your own shopping mall. Jim, we just added 26 stores in the last six months. Uh, We've told Wall Street we will be Greenfielding stores in all new states coming aboard. We're in 12 states right now. We have 38 states to build. We're in the midst right now of building two stores out in the Los Angeles markets, 120,000 square feet. You'll see us entering the East Coast markets shortly. We're still waiting on confirmation of licensing, the, how large the licensing is going to be, how restrictive it's going to be. We're hearing right now in New Jersey, 12 licenses going up to 36 licenses, but more importantly, craft licensing, Jimmy, unlimited craft licensing, which is wonderful for Grow Generation. All right. Now, one of the things that did worry me, I go to your site and it says we are currently experiencing lead time and shipping delays nationwide. Is that that port problem again? Is it COVID or is it just the demand would overwhelm any company? Jim, there certainly is port disruption right now. We are well stocked within our warehouses and stores, over $80 million of inventory. We are the group to go to. What you're seeing right now at GrowGen is skyrocketing same store sales. We're the only one with product. We're the only one with solutions. So you're, we're scaling this business. You're certainly seeing disruption in our private label brands. We have told Wall Street we're going from 1.5% this year up to 10% in private label. We're 100% comfortable with that, Jim. Now, it does seem that there's still a lot of room to grow in e-commerce. It's just a slight fraction of what is a, a company that's probably doing it. Look, you guys can do a billion in sales. I calculate maybe two years from now. Jim, the way we're growing, we certainly can. We've grown this business 14x in the last three years, 30 million right now. We have guidance out to Wall Street, 415 to 430, earning 49 to 51 million on an adjusted basis. We don't see it stopping, Jim. The one thing for me, you're seeing right now guidance for this industry to grow from 20 billion to 100 billion over the next 10 years. GrowGen will outpace those growth rates, those compounded annual growth rates. You're seeing right now wine and spirits approaching a trillion dollars, Jim, since prohibition. 
We see the same thing with cannabis. What people are doing, they're looking to the day-to-day trading, Jim. This is a century-wide trade right now. The grow generation is right in the startup. All right, but Darren, is it proprietary enough that I was thinking, if I were running Home Depot, I'm not kidding, you know, work with me here. If I were running Home Depot and I read this conference call, that I this morning's conference call, I would get on the phone to people and say, I want, I want Lampert's best people. We're going to put a cannabis area in every one of our stores because we got to start selling this stuff. Any possibility that could happen? Jim, we don't see, we don't see that right now. This is controlled environmental ag. Home Depot, Lowe's, Big Box. Nobody's involved in controlled environmental ag, Jim. It's technology, it's solutions. It's not that what they're involved in right now. We feel 100% comfortable with where we are in this industry. We're the leader. 500 grow pros, 600 employees, doubling year after year. Our first mover advantage, Jim, is growing in leaps and bounds. We will be going into every new state, coming on board and dominating those new states. We're purchasing best of breed in existing states, moving into new states and dominating. When you move into these best of breed stores that you buy and you put in your superior private label, uh, uh, all your products are, are, are best in show, you must, the gross margins must skyrocket because of how good the private label stuff is. Jim, we're just starting with private labels. So one and a half last year, 10% this year, private label. We will be our second largest supplier of hydroponic equipment this year. So we certainly, each and every store that we have purchased, you're seeing same source sales going up because we're making these stores better. We're bringing in selection. We're bringing in service. We're bringing in solutions. We're bringing our management team in to represent the commercial growers around the country. Well, look, I got to tell you, I mean, it's remarkable performance. I don't see why the stock doesn't go back to where it was, particularly with New York, which is going to be so desperate for your product, as is everybody else when you have a 58% comp number and a larger one for the whole year. I want to thank Darren Lampert, CEO of Grow Generation. Great work, sir. Good to have you back on the show. Thank you so much, Jim. Have a wonderful day. You too. You see what I'm saying here? You want picks and shovels, people. This is where the money's really made. Hydroponics, very professional stuff. Go to the website. It is totally proprietary. Mad Money's back after the break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready, Ski? Dad, come to the lightning round because we're going to start with Dan Florida. Dan. Hey, Kramer. Second time caller. Appreciate you taking my call again. Uh, first off, glad you're feeling better. And, uh, Thank you. Back. We all still need you. Um, and uh, so I had an idea. I wanted to run it by you. Sure. I, uh, given this administration, uh, there doesn't seem to be too much of a long-term future in oil. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, selling selling off all the oil and dumping it that I have and uh, taking the profits and flipping it to Abbott Labs. Well, I, I would scale out of the oils. Look, the oil oil reached the 63, 64. That's about as high as it's going to get. The Saudis don't want it any higher. Uh, Abbott Labs is a great stock. My Capital Trust owns it. You're in it now for the diabetes uh, glucose monitor, but also because we're going to start having a lot of elective surgery again. I think you're making a good move. Let's go to Rich in New York. Rich. Jim, uh, Rich in, in New York from the Bronx here. First time, long time. Good to have you. Um, great to be here. Love watching you. Um, my question is about a gambling play. Tillman Fertitta's uh, Golden Nugget 
and uh, Landry's organization is supposed to be going public via a SPAC yes. in the second quarter. So my question with for you is your thoughts on Fast Acquisition uh, Corp, FST. Okay, so people keep saying on Twitter that he hates all the SPACs. This is a very good example of a great operator, Tillman, whom I think the world of. I had dinner with him a couple times. The guy is just smart as a whip. I want to invest with Tillman, okay? This would give me a chance to do so. It's a buy. Let's go to Chrissy in Georgia. Chrissy. Hey, Kramer. I love your show. It's awesome. Thank you. you. My dad told me about it. So, hey to him, Ronnie. I'm calling about a 2019 IPO biotech stock. It beat its last three-quarter earnings and is up 437% in six months. It's O-R-G-O. What do you think? Don't know O-R-G-O. I don't know it. Um, Organogenesis, oh no. I mean, Organogenesis, I, I mean, it sounds great, but I, that's not enough to recommend a stock, right? It's not a meme play. I have to do more work. And now I need to go to Mickey in Minnesota. Mickey, Mickey. Jim, first, I want to say I'm a big fan and uh, got you. a tremendous amount of respect for you. Thank you. Uh, I, I think uh, Yelp's going to possibly drop for two reasons, and I'm a business owner myself. I think Yelp's lost a lot of credibility in the last few years by charging for reviews. And with Google search and Google ads, uh, it's providing a lot more prominence and legitimacy at a fraction of the cost. And uh, a lot of their success last quarter came from the sales of securities, which I think has been overlooked. I'd love to hear what you're saying. Well, you know what? I kind of feel like that that's the rap that's been against Yelp. I actually felt that when people start going out, Yelp's business is going to return to being a little bit better. Uh, I had been negative on Yelp, and I am much less negative on Yelp with a reopening play. But I totally hear what you're saying from the point of view as a restaurateur. It is a very tough thing to like. Let's go to Jake in New York. Jake. Hey, this is Jake from New York. First okay. off, I just want to thank you and your staff for your advice for home traders like myself. It's been very helpful. Oh, excellent. I'm 23, and I just opened a Roth IRA. Okay. I've mostly developed a diverse portfolio in dividend stocks. But I recently took a risk and acquired some stocks in Virgin Galactic. You know, okay, so here's, again, this is, a diff- this is an age and suitability issue. If Jake were older, 40, 50, I would say, listen, you don't want to be in Virgin Galactic. That's a mistake. It may take 40 years for that thing to get off the ground. But you're young and you want to hold it for a while. Maybe space travel becomes the norm. So it's fine for you, but not fine for others. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up. A cautionary tale for the rebel traders. Kramer's got a message for those taking the market's moves personally. And why thinking it's not just strictly business could hurt you in the long run. Next. Look, it's time to take a page from Michael Corleone. It's not personal. It's strictly business. If you want to be a successful investor, you can't let it get personal. Right now, too many people are making that mistake as the market changes its colors. When the averages bottomed a year ago, an amazing thing happened. We got a market where stocks almost always went up. 
those who were too circumspect, the veterans who knew better than to, to think that money grows on trees, well, they got smoked. Remember, most of the hedge fund managers who came on our air last spring absolutely hated the market. They didn't believe we'd be able to beat the pandemic. They didn't believe in science. They figured we're going to have to wreck the economy. These guys made you feel like the world was ending. But the professionals got steamrolled by a new, excited, and to me, really motivated, terrifically wave of younger investors, armed with optimism and, more important, stimulus checks. They were led by the folks on Reddit, and you're cheered on by Dave Portnoy, the entertaining founder of Barstool, affiliated with Penn National, who perfectly captured the zeitgeist of a market where stocks always go up. When Portnoy pointed out that the ailing cruise lines were good buys because their stocks kept going higher, a neat bit of circular reason, he absolutely knocked it out of the park. But that's when a lot of these younger investors started making it personal. It wasn't just about making money. It was about beating these clueless Wall Street suits at their own game. You saw the same thing happen with the phenomenal rise of Tesla. The skeptics there, oh boy, did they get steamrolled, and the bulls made a fortune. But now you've got a whole contingent of people who feel personally invested in the stock, not just financially invested. Many bought the stock much higher and are part of the depressed cohort I mentioned at the top of the show. After that came the pot stocks, a down-on-their-luck group that suddenly ignited as we discovered that legalization is incredibly popular all over the country, and it makes a lot of money for cash-strapped states. Well, People got way too invested in that. Then there were the do-no-wrong software plays led by Palantir, the surveillance technology company. It's hard to get your head around because basically it's a, it's a black box, and you're not supposed to know precisely what they do. Finally, after all these groups exploded higher, came down to the short busters. Think AMC, a BlackBerry, yes, the great white whale GameStop up very nicely today. At this point, strictly business had gone out the window. The whole thing was purely personal. When GameStop exploded higher in January, it wasn't about the sales or the earnings. It was about crushing the short sellers. Yes! So when the stock started rolling over, you had all kinds of people urging you to hold the line as though selling was some kind of betrayal. But it's not a betrayal. It's just business. Now the ball's in the air again, and those who take it personally are ever hopeful with this GameStop. Again, don't make it personal. It's strictly business. And in business, you're allowed to ring the register. If you bought it yesterday, it's up 60 points today. Take something off the table. Now the market is going back to normal, meaning a world where stocks don't always go up. The CDC won't let the cruise line start sailing again. As for the pot stocks, I'd rather be a cannabis arms dealer like Grow Generation than an actual cannabis grower. GameStop's in roller coaster mode. It roared again today. But I think it's on borrowed time because there aren't any overextended short sellers left to crush. And by the way, management seems eager to sell stock to raise capital. Remember that? Tesla fails to rally even after Kathy Woods comes out with a $3,000 cold shot over the weekend. The CEO of Palantir makes a befuddling appearance on our network. Leaves us wondering if they aren't just another software company, even though uh, Wood buys it uh, relentlessly. Well, she's nothing if not consistent. Meanwhile, we're being overrun by a stock supply glut. Insider sales, SPACs, corporate equity offerings. We're practically drowning in new shares. And while some SPACs are good, did you hear me on Twitter? Some SPACs are good. Many are dross. Google it. So what happens now? I think we're at a crossroads. The new investors either succumb to depression because stocks don't actually go up all the time every day anymore, or they regroup hopefully, and recognize that this is strictly business. Rather than buying stocks just because they're going up, you want to identify the best companies you can confidently buy into weakness. Get good prices. I know it's a chilling moment for many, one that's magnified by the upcoming IPO of Robinhood. 
My hope is that this new cohort of investors stops making it personal and repositions into plain old, boring, well-run companies that can benefit from the great reopening. But my fear is that it's over for many of them. They've lost too much money, even as the averages keep churning higher. Either way, though, you got to treat this as a learning experience. At the end of the day, stocks are just pieces of paper, people. They're not baseball teams where you have to root for your guys no matter what. Can't love them. Can't hate them. Strictly business. And if you forget that, you're going to get burned. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.